All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome, coaches. Welcome, youth baseball coaches. Coach Bo here with you, 8020 Baseball, our weekly get together. If you didn't catch it last week, we discussed a couple solutions to dealing with obnoxious coaches that are all too common in youth baseball and youth sports. We talked about a college team that's playing at the College World Series, winning at a high level using old school and new school approaches. And I shared with you three of the main parts of the success plan of one of the greatest youth coaches to ever coach, Bob Hurley Sr., that is. So go back last week's episode if you haven't already. This week, we're going to start off quick discussion about Wander Franco and Wander on ESPN.com stats here. Wander Franco has the second best war. So basically how much he's helping his team win compared to the other players in Major League Baseball. Wander Franco, second best war only to Shohei Otani. So he's helping his team more than all the other players in Major League Baseball except Shohei Otani. Now there's a video, there's been a video on 8020baseball.com for a couple years now where I break down his first Major League at bat. I broke it down the next Next day after he had his first major league at bat and he got a walk in that at bat and you'll see the success that he had in that at bat how it was indicative of or how it has been indicative of his success moving forward so if you haven't listened to that or seen that video yet go watch that video on 8020 baseball it'll show you a quality at bat that doesn't end in a hit a home run it's a six pitch insight or look at what a great hitter is going to do at the plate or should do at the plate we're going to talk about losing teams and as a coach if your team's losing more than winning we will talk about how to handle that some things we can do if your team's not winning as much as you'd like i will also share out Two really great tips, specific tips that come from somebody I follow on Twitter, Baseball Dudes Inc. Two specific tips that they put out, they posted out recently that we can take and use with our players that we can take out to the next practice, to the next game, to the next season and use with our teams to be better coaches. I'll share out a coaching quote of the week from our friend Chuck. Those of you that have listened for more than six months, you very likely know who Chuck is. So we'll talk about Chuck and his advice to help us be better coaches, to stay on the path to being good coaches. He's going to tell us what our number one job is. I have a tip about our coaching messages that I was sitting there thinking about this past week. And I thought about the main problem with coaches' messages, other than them being too long, coaches being long-winded. But the message itself, the content of the message, and the biggest problem that I see with this, and we're going to break it down. I'm going to share with you how to avoid it. And it's simply just taking another path with your messaging and your approach when you're talking with your team and your players. And we're going to wrap it up by talking about Luis Arrares. Now, if you watch LB.com or EN.com or MLB Network or ESPN, or I say .com because it seems like everything now is streamed. If you're watching the local regional networks and you're watching the Marlins play, Luis, his last name is Arrares. But if you're listening to it in all, as most of you, most of you are listening it on English channels, they'll say Luis Arise. They'll say Luis Arise. But I went and looked up on YouTube because he's Venezuelan. I went and looked up interviews that he did in Spanish, which of course is his language. And his name sounds nothing like how they say it on all the English channels, Major League Baseball TV, MLB TV, ESPN, 
whatnot. That happens a lot with names. So I said his name last week. I said it and I thought, man, that's a tough one. Well, even the announcers or the interviewers, I should say, that were doing interviews with him or announcing his game that were Spanish speakers were having a little bit of a struggle with it because the double R, the A and the E together, and then the Z at the end. But nonetheless, let's just call him Luis. Luis for the Marlins. Man, he's having a heck of a year. Coach Cosimo out there in Florida, one of my OG listeners, brought to my attention that I don't give enough love, or I should give more love, I should say, that I should try to break down some East Coast players that then we can relate to and, and use, if we can use them, as youth coaches. And so that's always something that's super important. If we can't use those players at the professional level if we can't use what they're doing or their strategies or their message with youth players, and then we're not going to use it. Then we're just going to pass on it. We definitely can learn from Luis. And I got a really interesting thing that's about this when I was listening to him do an interview. And it was hilarious because Coach Cosimo, one of my original listeners, said that, hey, you know, he wrote an email in reference to me talking about Freddie Freeman a few weeks back. And I was giving Freddie Freeman some love, but Freddie Freeman's out on the West Coast, LA Dodger. And you won't believe who Luis says is his favorite player to watch hit. Spoiler alert on that one. I'll share out the two hitters that he wants to be the modern day version of that are old school hitters. And I'm going to share what I think makes him as successful as he is and all of it in which we can use with our hitters at the plate all the way down through the lowest of youth baseball levels. So we'll talk about his approach at the plate and I'm going to share things that he said directly and share them out with you. I did a video sort of been two years ago on Wander Franco. It's on the website and it was his first MLB at bat. So I watched his first major league at bat. I recorded it and I shared out some thoughts on it. And he walked, didn't get a hit. He didn't strike out. And this was right. This was, I recorded it the day after his first major league game. And I pointed out that what I saw in that single at bat, he was six for six on quality pitches. So there's a stat that's thrown around a lot called quality at bats. Quality at bats is a stat that's a lot better than individual stats like batting average. It factors in a lot more. In fact, hitters can get out and still have a quality at bat. I think it's better to go down to the quality pitch metric. I think it's much better to assess each pitch. And it's not that hard to do. Now, for some of you, I don't think you have to get into this, but if you want to have some fun with, if you just your kid, you could videotape it and just assess it. I highly recommend if you're going to have hitters with good approaches at the plate, you need to break down each pitch and assess each pitch, whether they swung or not. And Wander Franco was six for six. In other words, he was successful six out of six pitches. In fact, two of those were foul balls, but... If you go watch that video, you'll see what I'm talking about. And there's video of him swinging and taking some pitches. What I saw just in that one at bat showed a lot, really showed a lot. Again, this was two years ago. And I was just looking at the wins above replacement stat. Basically, what players help their team win more than other players? Wander Franco, and this was on ESPN.com. Shohei Otani, of course, is at the top of the list. But number two, Wander Franco, second only to Shohei Otani, ahead of Okunia, Chet, Freeman, our man Luis, Corbin Carroll, Marcus Stroman, Tatis, some great players. So Wander Franco, young player still, very young, Tampa Bay Rays, good player to watch, just like Luis for the Marlins, good players to watch for young hitters. Aaron Judge, love the guy, love watching him hit. I really like the guy as a person, probably wouldn't have my seven-year-old, 12-year-old, nine-year-old following him too closely. And here's why. He's just so athletically gifted and so big that he can get away with some things where a Wander Franco is a little smaller, although bigger than Luis and somebody like Corbin Carroll. Those are good players to watch because they can't get away with any mistakes. They have a very small 
margin of error. They're playing with not much of a buffer if they're going to be good. So Wander Franco having a great year. Good player to watch. If you want to watch some of these hitters, why I'm sharing this with you is you can go on YouTube, type in Wander Franco and just watch some at-bats. Just say, type in quality at-bat Wander Franco or watch the video on 80-20 baseball and you'll see a perfect example of what it looks like to have a good approach at the plate. So losing teams, even the great coaches have losing teams. John Wooden didn't win a championship for 16 years. Nick Saban barely lasted a couple seasons in the NFL before having to get on a plane and leave town, head back to college. And great coaches even have seasons that are downright terrible when it comes to the win-loss record. The win-loss record. The one thing you can't lose is the main job we have to make our players better people and to have fun. Now, losing isn't as much fun as winning, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't still be fun. Maybe it's just not quite as much fun, but it should still be fun. The fun should not be predicated on winning or losing solely or even the majority of it. That means we're failing as coaches in certain areas, or at least we're not to where we need to be. So I wanted to talk about that. As some of your seasons are wrapping up or have wrapped up, you're not going to win all your games. Sometimes you lose more than you win. A lot of you that are following this and have been following 80-20 baseball and implementing this stuff, you're starting to win more than you would have and more than you lose. And some of you a lot more. I get those emails a lot. The great managers in baseball, the great managers in baseball, 60% of their games they win, just 60, 6 out of 10. They basically go 6 and 4 every 10 games. Baseball is not the sport that you can dominate like basketball where you can control who gets the ball, who has the ball, smaller court, fewer players. Same with football. You can get the ball to that player a lot more often, those players. In baseball, each hitter gets to get up there and hit. Now the pitchers have to rotate through because you're trying to you know, keep them safe, their arms healthy, pitch counts. The other team's going to hit the ball randomly and it's going to find all your players eventually. So you can't control that as much as a baseball coach. So if your team loses more than it wins, you just have to be sure that you are still winning when it comes to making it fun and building up winning human beings. They should be winning human beings and they should be laughing and smiling that is a winning season. And do they want to come back next year and play? That is a winning season. Do your players want to come back and play again next year? Will they play for you again? That is a winning season. I think looking back now and looking forward to next season, looking back to the beginning of this past season for some of you coaches, it's definitely important to be very upfront with your players and parents about the objective and the goals of the season. If you're over the top selling them, they're out there to have a good time. They're out there to hustle. They're out there to be good teammates. Yes, they're out there to win games or at least give it their best and be better versions of themselves at the end of the season than they were at the beginning or from week to week, game to game or month to month. But make sure as coaches, you're very clear about the goals and you're molding that paradigm. You're molding the mindset and the view of what the goal is. We need to mold that a lot with our players and the parents. And some might not buy in and some of them might not, might not buy into this. They're so gung-ho about winning at all costs. Well, just be careful when you add them to your team and maybe at the end of the season, just say, hey, it's probably best that you know you find another coach next year, loved your kid, good time, but and just be upfront say, we wanna win. I think you prioritize winning ahead of the other important things. And so for that, it's not a good fit. Just say it's not a good fit and move on. So be very upfront about what a winning team looks like. It's not just wins and losses. It's not just on the scoreboard. So I think that's important. All right, moving forward here. Baseball Dudes Inc. on Twitter put this. Coach put out a 20 point or 20, a list of 20 things that coaches you know, should do to be successful. 
And two of them really stood out as things that are not shared a lot. And these are specific tips. So this goes to Baseball Dudes Inc. on Twitter. It's a good follow. Number 14 on that list was make eye contact. Take off your sunglasses. Make them take off theirs if they're wearing sunglasses. And then position yourself so that their back is to the sun. 20 years ago, when I was studying how to be a better PE teacher, I was fortunate at Cal State Long Beach and Long Beach State to have a really dedicated kinesiology department, teachers there that made a big thing about PEP. It wasn't some just afterthought elective class. It was a big deal. They wanted us to be really good. They videotaped us. They videotaped us running drills, running classes. That was ahead of its time in terms of just videotaping and dissecting it. Each word we said. One of the first things they taught us was never have your students facing the sun. Always have their back to the sun. I thought this was a really good kind of a bundle of tips here. Hey, make eye contact when you're given this message, when you're giving your coaching message, make eye contact, take off your sunglasses, make them take off theirs if they're wearing them and position yourself so their back is to the sun. So they're not facing the sun, you are. And I think another one too is you can get down on a knee from time to time, get down at their level. Don't always be talking down to them. Maybe squat, take a knee. That's not a bad idea. I like that strategy too. Number 18 on that list was read your audience. Know when it's time to move on. So when you lose attention to everything you want them to, you know, to hear, that's when things are going to go in one ear out the other. So read your audience. Know when it's time to move on. In fact, we've talked about probably don't even need to wait to read your audience. I'm telling you three to four to five minutes, five minute max discussion. Now this point, number 18 on that list was about post-game, pre-game speeches, discussions with coach-led discussion. Don't get long-winded. Set a timer. Have an assistant set a timer and then just give you a thumbs up when it's time or just tap their wrist, tap their watch or set a timer or just get really good at being concise and clear and get it done with in three to four minutes and then move it on. So I thought those were two really great points about just read your audience. Now, I don't even think you should get to the point where your audience is tuned you out when they're starting to look around, they look bored. There's two other foundational issues there. One, your message is not compelling. And two, you're going too long. Most kids don't start checking out after, most kids don't start checking out after one minute or two minutes. They start checking out after five minutes and they check out if the message doesn't sound like there's benefits, or at least there's not compelling. So you want to have a compelling message, positive message, message with praise. Those kids want to hear praise, sell the benefits of what you're teaching them, make it a compelling message. Speaking of coaching up better human beings, Charles Barkley, Chuck, Chuck Barkley, old school basketball player, quote, your number one job as a coach is to make your players better men in society. If they become better players, then that's a bonus, Charles Barkley, end quote. Quote, your number one job as a coach is to make your players into better young men or into better human beings moving forward. They become better players, then that's a bonus, end quote. That's great. Charles Barkley spits out a lot of truth. A lot of these announcers, commentators, pregame, postgame folks, they're vanilla. They don't want to get canceled. Chuck just speaks his mind. So when he shares something like this, I'm much more inclined to listen to it as truth and not window dressing. So I love that quote by Charles Barkley. All right. Our coaching message can't have a message geared toward the results that we're trying to get at the heart. It can have the results, the goal that we're trying to get to in the message, but it just can't have it at the heart. Our coaching message to our team, to our players, to our kids individually and as a team, it must not have the result at the heart of the message, the desired result or 
the things we're trying to avoid either, the results we're trying to avoid. You can talk about results that can be on the outskirts, but at the heart of our coaching messages should be a specific action or actions that will get the players and team to those results, to the goal. Let me give you a key example that I hear a lot about. Coaches telling their team not to strike out. We strike out too much. You know, post-game talk, well, we struck out too much today. We strike out too much. We need to get the bats going. We need to score more runs. We need to strike out less. We need to get more walks. You see the commonality there? All of those things I just said were highlighting the results, not the process, not the actions, the specific actions or action that will get the players to those. Yes, we want to strike out less. We want more walks. We want to hit the ball better. We want more runs. Okay. We as coaches, our messaging must be something specific that they can do on a single pitch, on a single swing, at a single at bat. It needs to be very specific and better if you're talking to the whole team. It's a message that needs to be heard and then applied and improved upon by multiple players or even the whole team. So I hear this a lot. I listen to a lot of coaches speak and the message is geared around results. It has the result that the team wants, the players want, the coaches want at the heart of the message. It can't be at the heart. It has to be on the outskirts. For example, we need to go up there to the plate and start swinging at fewer pitches, unless those pitches are in our meatball zone, in the part of the strike zone where we can really drive it. That might be half of the strike zone for youth baseball, might be a third of the strike zone. It's a pretty big size, maybe size of a big beach ball, but we're not just going up there swinging at everything with less than two strikes. We're swinging at pitches and then show them the specific area. Show them where that is. Might vary a little from hitter to hitter, but not a whole bunch. Be specific with our messaging. So assess yourself when you're giving messages to the team. Is it about the result? Hey, we need to strike out less. How about we need to swing at more pitches right here and less pitches out here, up there, around there. See the difference? We need to score more runs. You could replace that with base runners. When we're on base, we're always looking to get to that next base. We're never content with being at first or second or third. We want to get to home. We're always looking for an opportunity. We're always ready to go. We're not reckless. We're not taking crazy risks. But we are aggressive and we're looking to get that next base. See the difference? Hey, we need to score more runs. We need better base running. Those are all kind of a result, a general result. Score more runs is not a general result. That's a specific result, but it's the result nonetheless. We need better base running is a general message. We need specificity on specific actions that players can get better with and literally use. They don't have to figure it out from there. It's like, oh, coach said to do this. Let's do this. Hey, we need to score more runs. That leaves a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of questions to be asked. That could take kids down a lot of different paths that they could interpret that as. We don't want that. So Luis Arares, or Luis Arise, as they say on the English channels, his favorite player, Coach Cosmo, I hope you're listening to this, his favorite player to watch hit. And the whole reason I went dug up a bunch of stuff and watch a bunch of stuff because you brought him up and he's doing amazing. He's just crushing. He's batting like 400. Last I checked earlier today, he was batting 400. He has three five-hit games this month. He has three five-hit games this month. They might say, was that, is, that sounds good. Since 1922. So the last hundred years, there have only been four hitters who have had four five-hit games in a season. Ty Cobb, Stan Musial, Tony Gwynn, Ichiro Suzuki. The who's who of good hitters. So the only four hitters ever to have five-hit games four times in one season, Ty Cobb, Stan Musial, Gwynn, Suzuki. He has three five-hit games this month. Of course, I can't leave out my favorite stat, encapsulate how productive a hitter is, helping his team win. 
weighted runs created plus. He's at 160. 160 is perennial all-star. You get to about 180, now you're in the MVP talk. 175, 170. Unless you got a really great gold glove with it, a great glove, then you can drop down. You could be at 140. But 160, awesome at creating runs. Luis, his favorite player to watch it is Freddie Freeman. His favorite hitter to watch it is Freddie Freeman. The whole reason I went digging on it was because I was talking about Freddie Freeman. I was talking about West Coast guys. And then I go dig it up. That's his favorite player to watch it. That's right from the horse's mouth. Saw him do an interview recently. He said, my favorite player to watch it is Freddie Freeman. I try to do what Freddie Freeman does. So, hey, we're all on the same path here, at least. He wants to be the modern day version of Rod Carew and Tony Gwynn. Two pretty great hitters. He has a very low strikeout rate. It's like 5%. That's really low. He has more walks and strikeouts. That's a huge sign. So if your strikeout rate is 12%, but you have 14% walks, that's great. So if your strikeout rate is higher, but you're, you have more walks and strikeouts, that's great. It's not just about striking out at a low rate. It's about scoring and producing runs. He has a really great plan A and plan to approach. So if you watch him hit, he's not chasing pitches with less than two strikes. He's getting his pitch. He's getting his pitches, his area. He's looking for pitches in his area and he's trying to hit hard line drives about 10 feet over the infielder's head. It's very clear what he's trying to do. If you look at his bat path, if you look at how he moves his body, he's clearly trying to hit the ball to the outfield, but he's trying to hit line drives to the outfield. He's trying really hard to hit line drives. So if you get a chance to watch some Miami Marlins, I, I highly recommend you take a look. What I think he does really good is he waits till the ball gets closer to the plate. He's not antsy. He's got a quick swing. He's got a quick swing. So hitters, you want to get your swings quick. So you can see the ball longer, so you can make better judgments on whether to swing or not swing. And also so you can square it up rather than missing it or nicking it. He's not trying to pull the ball, he said. He's not trying to pull the ball. He's trying to hit the ball toward the middle of the field very hard. Now he does pull the ball and he does hit the ball the other way. He's left-handed. He does hit the ball down the left field line. He does pull the ball to right field. In fact, in the World Baseball Classic, he pulled a couple home runs against Team USA. He had home run against USA right field bleachers. But he's trying to hit the ball He's starting by trying to hit the ball up the middle and then let the pitch kind of dictate from there. Not just the location of the pitch, but the speed of the pitch. He has the best stats against non-fastballs this year in the major leagues. And that tells me two things. One, he's swinging at the right pitches. And two, he's letting that pitch travel and he's trying not to pull the ball because if he's, one, swinging at bad pitches, well, you're not going to have good stats. And if you're out in front or you're really trying to pull the fastball, well, if they throw off speed, then you're going to be out in front of that. You're going to swing and miss. You're not going to do very well. So he's not afraid of driving a fastball the other way up the middle. And then if he gets fooled a little bit, he can still keep the ball fair to his pull side, not hit a foul ball or worse, be out in front, swing and miss. So Luis, fun player to watch. Go watch some video on him hitting. He's definitely somebody that young players could learn from and watch. And don't just watch the highlights of him making contact. Watch the entire at bat. Try to find, and I'll leave this. This is my main tip. You cannot assess and learn from hitters if you just watch the times they made contact or the swing and miss on strike two or whatever. You need to watch entire at-bats. You need to watch entire at-bats. You could type in the words quality at-bat and then their name. That's a good way to come across those a little bit easier or more easily on YouTube or whatnot. But watch the whole at-bat. 
that's what tells you hitter's going to be great or not. So looking forward to watching Luis moving forward here. Man, those stats are pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Good stuff all around. Things we can learn from. And again, I like using major league players to look at for all of us to be able to go see and find a lot of video on. If I tell you about the 11-year-old here in Boise who's raking, striking everybody out, you're going to be like, I don't know who that is. You can't get video. Of course, you can't get video on him. You have no idea what I'm talking about. So I do like to use these major league players that you can go see a lot of video on and see what I'm talking about insofar as it's relatable to youth baseball, things that we can use at the youth baseball level. That's always the first piece of criteria that we look at. Next week, we're going to discuss three main reasons players quit playing youth baseball sports. Three main reasons players quit playing youth baseball and how we can avoid those things happening. How can we avoid players quitting? Proactively reducing it. Proactively trying to reduce the chances that players quit, that they don't want to come back next year. So tune in next week for that going to be a good one. The drill design guide. So a lot of you have gone over and got the drill design guide. I have updated the drill design guide. I found a way to get you a better quality PDF. And I thought that PDF quality was pretty good, but I know the website and the email when it got sent, it compressed it because emails, you can't send certain size files. So it compressed it. It's not massive. It's like 11 megabytes. But from what I understand, the PDF was compressed so it could be sent. So the quality on it, a little fuzzy, right? So if you want to get a crisp copy of it, it's ready for you over at the website. You can download the new one. For most of you, it was fine. It was good to go. So the drill design guide, a 21-page PDF on how to design drills, the key parts to making drills great. It's over there. It's looking even more crisp now. So go get that. You can follow me on Twitter, 8020 underscore baseball. You can support the podcast. Just right when you're done, you're just, just leave a rating, leave a review. That helps a lot. Email me your success stories, your questions, coachbo at 8020baseball.com or go to the website, go to the contact page, send me your success stories, your questions, and we'll go from there. Until next week, take care of yourselves, your health, your families, your close friends, and take this information out there and build better human beings up. Get your players to be better human beings moving forward. Get their skills leveled up. Increase the level of fun they're having and create a positive team culture with this information and better players. And until next week, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field.